This morning's topic is not a pleasant one. The horrors of hell. And I know that when you bring up certain topics, they're the kind of things that no one wants to even entertain in their mind. I know that there are times, for instance, when we are watching the evening news and we hear about a young child who strayed out into the interstate and was killed by an oncoming car and you think about your own children or grandchildren and that thought, once it pops in your mind, you immediately banish it because it's so unpleasant you don't want to even think about it. Or you think about the times when you heard the news that your mother, your father, maybe your spouse, or even one of your children was killed. And the kind of pain that is involved in that, and immediately you want to put that out of your mind. We don't like to think about bad things. No one wants to entertain the idea that we may spend an eternity in hell. Our Lord, when he talked about how serious hell would be, made it a very important point to emphasize what would we give up? Things that are very precious to us, what would we give up to avoid hell? Very similar to what Brother Brandon just read is found in Matthew 5, verses 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable that one of your members should perish than your whole body should be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable that one of your members should perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Folks, I don't know about you, but I prize my sight. When I think about my eyes, I would hate to have the idea of taking one of those and plucking it out and getting rid of it. I use my right hand for so many different things. I'd ha hate to think about having that hand cut off, but our Lord said it'd be better to get rid of your eye to get rid of your hand than to lose your soul in hell. This morning I want to talk about learning more about hell in hopes of avoiding it. And I want you to think about something. I was reading just yesterday afternoon about a lady whose husband had passed away. And she made the point he didn't think about the future. She was making the point that he didn't leave all of his passwords to all of his accounts. And how that because he hadn't made preparation, now their life was so much more difficult and I was thinking how insignificant it is if no one ever knows your Facebook password, if no one ever knows what your computer password is, but if you leave this world unprepared, it will be the worst thing that ever happened. We're going to look at this from three different perspectives. I've delivered these same ideas under different formats, but I've tried to reorganize it for this uh, lesson today. I want to talk about a description of hell. These are things that the Bible provides to give us some kind of idea of what hell will be like. And then I want to talk about the demographics of hell. And I know that's a 
not a word that was been used much, but it's used a lot in our society today. If you want to know the demographics, you want to know about who, for instance, might be buying this product, who the people are who might would be interested in a certain thing in life. My question is, who is it that's going to be in hell? And then number three, the duration of it. How long will hell last? Let's begin our lesson by talking about a description. And I've got to tell you that in the world today, there's a lot of misunderstanding. There are a lot of people who have their own conception about what they believe hell really is. One of them is, is some believe that the trials, the difficulties, and the problems we go through in this life are really hell on earth. Many people have experienced all kinds of maladies to occur in their life. Some of them have been natural. Maybe they've been hurt by a storm or maybe they've been hurt by a disease. Other people have experienced a tremendous amount of heartache in their families. People have had their families split up because of divorce, because of all kinds of unfaithfulness. Children have been ripped apart from their parents because of the abuse that those parents have been inflicted upon them, those children. And sometimes they grow up and they think, you know, life cannot be any worse than what I have experienced here. And so many people will say, hell is just this earth and all the troubles that go with it. Not so. Others, for instance, will believe that hell is simply the grave. They will believe that once you die, you just simply go into that grave and that is where you stay and there's now no more ability to do anything and so that is your hell. Sadly, some people believe that hell, the idea of it, was created by religious people to scare people into submission. I read that several times this past week in preparing for this lesson. It doesn't matter whether you're reading the Humanist Manifesto that is suggesting that this is what life is all about, or it doesn't matter if you're talking to the man on the street who says, you know, I don't really believe in religion and I don't believe in hell because I think it was just made up. Just a place that people use to try to make people do what they want them to do. Well, I'd suggest to you, if you open your Bibles, you're going to find that hell's a real place and that it's an awful place. We're going to go through several descriptions that the Bible provides of this place called hell. It is called a lake of fire. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14, John writes, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, fire is something that, to me, is scary. For instance, you may have a nightmare. You may have a bad dream of waking up and you're in a burning house and you want to get out and you can't get out. And you think about the thought of, of burning there in that fire to your life goes away from you. I don't know how many of you have ever been burned rather severely. I have. When I was a child, we grew up and we had an old stove in the kitchen. Daddy would create a real big fire and to the point that the stove pipe would get red hot. And I would get ready around that stove in the kitchen 
And one morning, I guess I was probably about the fourth grade, I was putting on my shirt and I did like this and I hit that red hot fire uh, stovepipe, burned a spot about that big on my arm, immediately carried me to the doctor. The doctor put all this cream on it, wrapped it in gauze and said, for the next month you're going to have to be careful that you keep it clean, you keep putting this salve on it. And I got better, but I'm going to tell you, that was some very intense pain. The lake of fire, the idea of burning, is one that is found frequently with regards to hell. In fact, the second description in Mark chapter 9 and verse 44 says, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Occasionally, you will notice that the worms come up out of the ground. They'll get on the hard surfaces. When the sun comes out, it dries their bodies up and they perish right there. But Mark's account says of Jesus, the worm does not die. It continues to suffer. The fire is not quenched. For you and I to think about burning... You may have stuck your hand to something that's hot. may even cause a blister on the end of your fingers or in your hand. But yet you withdraw it. From hell there will be no withdrawal. There will be no relief. In Mark, or excuse me, Matthew 22, verse 13. Then the king said to those servants, Bind him hand and foot, Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The idea of outer darkness is to be separated from everyone else. No light whatsoever. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are times when we cannot express our pain. We cannot express our sorrow. And all we can do is cry from our eyes and grit our teeth and suggest that maybe there's nothing that we can do, no hope. Matthew 18 and verse 6, the passage that followed the reading that Brother Brandon gave, he said, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. The millstones in Israel are about... Yay big. I don't know how much they weigh. I'm guessing probably a couple hundred pounds made out of stone. They were used to press olives. They were used to grind various grains to make meal and flour. To imagine one of those being tied around someone's neck and to throw you in the sea, you would be drowned. You'd be no hope. There would be no escape from that. Jesus said that would be better than what a person who will go to an eternal torment will suffer. And ultimately, there will be a permanent and complete separation from God. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 9, these will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power You know, at least here on earth as we go through the difficulties, God sends the rain on the good and the evil and the 
sunshine on the just and the unjust, and yet in hell there will be no glory of God there. There will be a complete and ultimate and permanent separation from every good thing that God has to offer. At least in this life, there's a few good people. At least in this life, there's some joy to be had. In hell, there will be none. Many times we have to do what is necessary in distinguishing between what the Bible talks about, hell or Gehenna, and the place called Hades. And if any of you were privileged to go last Monday night to the services at Arlington, Brother Don Blackwell did a wonderful job of preaching God's Word on this very topic. I'm not going to spend but just a minute or two on it. But I will point out to you that Hades is a place of the departed spirits. When we die, our spirit and our body are separated. For instance, in James 2.26, For as a body without the spirit is dead, when the spirit leaves this body, the physical body is dead. What happens? Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7, The dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. What will God do with the Spirit? He places it in one of two places. He either places it in paradise where Jesus and the robber on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. They went to that part where there was pleasantness, where there was Abraham's bosom. On the other side, though, was where the rich man, he lifted up his eyes being in torments. We do know that even this place does have some difficulty within it because he says I'm tormented in these flames but yet this is not hell because we read about Jesus in 1 Peter 3 19 that he went and he preached to the spirits in prison that is to those wicked ones that were in that prison Acts 2 27 and 31 says you will not leave my soul in Hades nor allow your holy one to see corruption And he said he spoke of that concerning the resurrection of the dead. In 2 Peter 2 and verse 4, angels who sinned were cast down to these torments, Tartarus, to be delivered into chains of darkness. Hell is the place of eternal punishment for the unrighteous. Death and Hades, as we've already read from Revelation 20 and verse 14, were cast into the lake of fire. Hades will not last. Hell will last. There's a very good chart that Brother Don used, and it's on the screen behind me. And I know that it's probably too small for you to read the words, but if you'll notice at the left, that sphere is the world. That's where we live. Then you have the second sphere, which is the Hadean realm, The top part, which is blue, represents paradise. The bottom, which is red, represents the place of torments. And as Luke 16 would teach, there's a great gulf fixed between those so that no one can pass from one to the other. But then after that's when you have the resurrection of the body. You have the day of judgment, the Lord's second coming, and then... One will either be sent to heaven or to hell, depending upon the judgment rendered on their lives. Now for just a moment, I'd like to talk about the demographics of hell. Who's going to be in there? 
And what kind of people will be there? Well, I think there are several passages that if I look through them very quickly, I can see that there's different types of sin that you and I may commit. We may not all commit the same ones, but any one of them or a combination thereof could send us to hell. For instance, Galatians 5.19. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, even as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, I may not be an adulterer, but I may be a drunk. Or I may not be a drunk, but I may be a murderer. I may not be a murderer, but I may have hatred in my heart. And he says, for all of these sins, you can't go to heaven. In Revelation 21 and verse 8, John writes, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Oh, I get the picture now. It doesn't matter what part of life I am in. If I am in violation of God's law, my destiny is hell. I'm often asked, but don't you believe that God might change His mind? That those of us who may not be just the outright liar, but you know we occasionally tell these little white lies. What is a white lie? What is a lie that a person can tell and it not be counted sin? Or maybe I'm I'm not as bad as this person. Well, God just let the good sinners go in. You see, here's a problem. The character of God is He always tells the truth. Always. God is not deceitful. God is not jerking us around. In fact, the New Testament makes a great point that we can depend upon the character of God. In Hebrews 6 and verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. That is, you and I can depend on the character of God. When God makes a promise of eternal life, I can depend upon that, and that's worth something. In Titus 1 and verse 2, he says much the same thing by saying, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, before promised before time, Eternal. But here's another very important thing about who is going to hell, and that is God doesn't want anyone to go there. Sometimes we have this idea that here is hell and God has us dangling over it as if He would just, all right, just make a mistake and I will send you to hell. No, that's not God at all. It's not the picture that the Bible reveals. In fact, to use an illustration from the book of Ezekiel and the book of Lamentations, 
The children of Israel had been sent into Babylonian captivity and they were just moaning about what had happened to them. And here's the way Ezekiel responds. Yet the house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is not fair. O Israel, is not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Now here's very important, verse 32. For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore turn and live. God doesn't want you to die. God doesn't want you to suffer in hell. And so He begs you. He pleads with you. In Lamentations 3, 33, Jeremiah like delivering the funeral eulogy for Israel as he laments or grieves over what they have done, says, For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men to crush under one's feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside justice due to a man before the face of the Most High, or to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord does not approve. Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that woe and well-being proceed? Why should a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Jeremiah is saying, folks, God doesn't put us in this position. We put ourselves there. And the truth is God is begging us, pleading with us, to not suffer punishment. In the New Testament, 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any should perish. John 3, 16, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So as I step back and I ask the question and I look and see who's in hell, it's those who will not receive the grace of God. And they're so impenitent toward the gift that is offered in 2 Thessalonians 1.8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that's some of you here this morning. You have not yet obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not up here trying to scare you into submission. We're up here trying to tell you God loves you. God doesn't want you to be lost. God doesn't want you to suffer, but you're going to have to make a choice yourself. Which leads me to the third part of our lesson is the duration of it. How long will hell last some people believe that hell is only going to be temporary. I read this past week some people's description of it, and they said, well, here's the way it's going to work. That if you commit a really bad sin, maybe you were involved in rape or murder, God might 
punish you for a year or maybe ten years. They would say, but if you did bad things, certainly God's not going to punish you because you love somebody you were not supposed to love and you were involved in an adulterous relationship and that God's not going to punish you that long for that. They believe they're able to sit in judgment on God and tell God how serious and how bad sin really is. Let me ask you a question. How do you know how bad sin is? Paul said, I wouldn't have known it in Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 13, except the law had said. I do know that sin was so bad that Jesus, the Son of God, had to die on a cross for sin. And if that was that serious, then you and I need to take it very seriously as well. So in an effort to do that, some believe that hell will be an annihilation. They believe that God will just consume you, burn you up. In other words, you get to the day of judgment and God says, Okay, you've sinned and I'm going to consign you to hell. And you say, Oh no, it's bad. And so God puts you there and He burns you up and you've consumed. You, you don't suffer continually. We have some of our brethren teaching that now because they want to think that maybe it just won't have to be that bad. But let me point out to you that the same terms, same words that talk about eternal punishment talk about eternal life. For instance, Matthew 25, verse 46, And these will go in the way into everlasting punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. If hell is going to be, it's gone, what about heaven? Revelation 14, verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night, who receives the beast, worship the beast, his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Chapter 20, verse 10, The devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. How could the Lord put it any simpler, any plainer than that? It's going to be day and night, and it's going to be forever and ever. When one year has passed, when ten years have passed, when a hundred years have passed, when a thousand years has passed, there's no beginning and no end. It will be eternal. Hell will have no end. Hell is a place of unspeakable horrors. I haven't covered everything that the Bible says about hell, but I will tell you that it's a place that is worse than you can conceive of in your mind. It's a place where you would never want to spend one minute, much less an hour, a day, a year, a century, an eternity. Because of that, just like that passage that we began with in Matthew 18 and Matthew 5, verses 29 and 30, I ought to be willing to do anything and everything it takes. Oh, what if it causes me a little shame? That's nothing compared to to avoiding an eternity in hell. Oh, well, what if people might say something about it? That's nothing compared to an eternity in hell. 
I will tell you this. We ought to stand in respect and awe before the maker of this world who created hell for the punishment of the wicked. In James 2 and verse 19, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You think about those demons about whom Jesus cast out of this man named Legion. Are you here to torment us before the time? Think about Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 and 31. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 12, 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Oh, this is not the kind of lesson that everybody wants to hear. Oh, it's not pleasant. It's not delightful. It makes us all feel uncomfortable. It makes us all evaluate, where do I stand before the God of heaven? I plead with you this morning. When we sing this invitation song, you're not a Christian, come up to the front. We'll make every effort to make you feel at home, to make you feel welcomed. And we'll let you stand before this audience and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Baptize you for the remission of your sins. You can then have your reservation for the other place. If you're a child of God and you're looking at your life and you're saying, I really need to respond. I know what I need to do. Why don't you? While together we stand in some.